Wednesday. We have a lot to talk about. Um, maybe things that we really don't want to talk about, but it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a fun show. Um, I'm your host, Sishi, and I know some of you have been here before, and so you probably recognize me. Um, so welcome back. And those of you who are new here, we appreciate you joining. Um, this is a new show called The Crimson Dynasty. Um, this is about the, the third week so far, and so we're, we're still pretty new, but we're a sister channel of the Bama Standard. So I know a lot of you, you you know, you tune into the Bama Standard, you're familiar with it, um, and even some of the faces. So. We do have a, a special guest joining in about 15 minutes. Um, so that's going to be a very interesting topic. I'll be sure to give uh, an introduction for him once he's on. Um, but I, I wanted to first give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Workspace Solutions. Now, this is a company where if you need a digital presence for your business or you need a full-fledged marketing team, they have what you need and they have affordable prices. So be sure to look them up online and actually reach out to them if you have any needs. So. I wanted to kind of touch on a couple things that I've been hearing and, and more so since, you know, our game against Texas. Um, of course, there's been a lot of chatter and a lot of things that maybe we didn't necessarily want to hear. Um, but I think it's worth, you know, at least discussing um, more so from a high level perspective. And so one thing that I've been hearing a lot is uh, Coach Prime, Beyond Sanders. And there's been a lot of talk about, you know, like, oh, well, I wonder if, uh, Coach Saban retires, will Coach Prime take his spot? You know, will he be hired on as the head coach? And so there were a few things that I wanted to address um, in regards to that. And I think that, um, you know, nothing can be 100% ruled out. I mean, we really don't know for sure, but we do know that Coach Saban has a really good relationship with Coach Prime. Um, you know, of course, we've seen the commercials. We know they have a really good uh, relationship to some degree. Um, and I think one of the commonalities between Coach Saban and Coach Prime is that they they share that same uh, expectation of playing with a, a level of excellence. And that's what I like about them. I think Coach Prime, in his essence, he likes to win. He likes to win games. And I think he has that uh, failure is not an option mentality that you really need to have, especially when you're coaching a D1 team, particularly in a conference like the SEC. I think that that's definitely, um, definitely needed. And so I think that, you know, his style of coaching, uh, his mentality, his mindset, I think it kind of falls in, in line with the Bama standard, you know, what we call the Bama standard. So sometimes when, you know, some of you all hear us, myself and other analysts on YouTube, or even, you know, commentators with the different news uh, channels, when we talk about the, the Bama standard, um, I think that that's something that's kind of become cliche at this point. So I'm going to define that uh, shortly. But I do think that from a strategic perspective, and even from an instant institutional perspective, I do think that Coach Prime, he it, it would make some sense to have someone like him um, as our head coach if Saban were to retire in the next couple of years. I do think that with what he's doing out there, with what Coach Prime is doing out there at Colorado, I mean, he's really shaking things up. And I don't necessarily see him 
wanting to leave uh, as quickly as he left Jackson State um, for a couple of reasons. But I did want to uh, touch on the Bama Standard. I know that that's the, the overall name of this channel altogether, the Bama Standard. And like I mentioned, the Crimson Dynasty is basically a, a, a sister channel. But I, I think that we need to clearly define what that is. You know, a lot of times we'll talk to players who were part of the national championship teams and guys, you know, who played a few years ago. And they, they hit on that a lot about the Bama standard. And it's to the point where we're trying to figure out where that breakdown is happening. Um, is it happening, you know, more so on the recruiting level, you know, where we're going out to these different, um, like let's say the West Coast or somewhere up north where, you know, it may be a little different when you're recruiting guys who are from the state of Alabama, you know, who they grew up watching Alabama football. Like it's, it's just a part of tradition. And so I do think that when it comes to the Bama standard, and at least for me, how I define it, I don't think that it's just a phrase. It's not just something to say say it's essentially arriving to practice early and staying late you know it's working with the best of the of the best in your off season to improve your game you know it's showing up for your teammates holding each other accountable and it's giving 110 percent because like i said i think a week ago um, in our episode i mentioned that every team that we play regardless of the conference that they're in regardless of how well they did last year every single team that we play, they're going to play us like they're playing the national championship. And I think that sometimes, um, you know, what we see transpire on the field, it, it kind of doesn't align with that. It doesn't align with what, what our expectations are. You know, we've sat here week after week talking about, oh, well, our secondary is going to be a lot like the 2015 or our wide receiver core is going to be a lot like the 2019 group. But when you get out on that field and the lights are on and, you know, you got 100,000 people screaming, you know, it, it, it may look different than what we expected. So I think when we talk about the Bama standard and we start throwing out names for potential replacement coaches, we have to keep everything in perspective, you know, as far as like having a winner's mentality, um, not playing with anxiety, you know, stepping out on the field with confidence. I mean, it to me, what I saw when we played Texas, it was pretty obvious that, you know, we just kind of lacked confidence in certain areas. And honestly, we almost look like a different team from the week before when we played MTSU. And for those who are in the comments right now, definitely leave your opinion there. Um, feel free to engage and just, you know, comment if you feel the same. I know that MTSU is not a direct apples to apples comparison with Texas, but at the same time, it's not like MTSU was a horrible team. I mean, we saw they had a bowl game last year. You know, they won their bowl game. I mean, they had a pretty good team. So it's just, you know, figuring out what what actually caused that breakdown. I think, you know, there was a lot of hype around the Texas game. And to be honest, the hype started really even last year after we beat them, you know, in Texas. You know, I, I, at least here where I live, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, you all should have lost to Texas. Like you barely beat them, whatever, whatever. They, they meant by that. I mean, I, to be honest, we didn't play our best in that game, but we still came out with the with a win. And so I think just, you know, the all the talk and all of the, you know, emotion and everything regarding the Alabama-Texas matchup, you know, it really started a year ago. And it's just been amplified as the months have passed. And I think when um, the governor, Governor Abbott, you know, made his comments earlier this year about uh, Jalen Milrow not being, not being a Bryce, you know, I just think that we, we've been living rent-free in the minds of a lot of these people who we probably don't even think about. 
But I do think that we should have taken the game more seriously when we did. There were certain players in our game against Texas who who showed up at 100%, some of them a little more so than 100%, but it wasn't across the board. And I think that that's one of the areas where where that breakdown happened. You know, I think that, um, you know, over the summer, we would hear guys like J.C. Latham, you know, Tyler Booker, different guys talk about what we're going to do or, you know, basically what they're seeing, you know, when they're in practice or in fall camp. But we honestly, at this point, I'm tired of the talking. I think that you because I'm more of an action pers- person anyway. So I feel like if, if that's how you feel, if that's what it is, then let it be that when you touch that field, because it shouldn't look like a contradiction, what we're seeing on the field versus what you're saying. And that's honestly what it looked like. It looked like it looked like we weren't uh, prepared, but of course, you know, it, it was a breakdown across all levels. I think it was a failure on all levels. Um, I, I would say there were two groups that I think that did probably a little better, um, you know, and, and putting that into perspective with the fact that we still lost the game, um, which I'll get into that later. But I do think that um, overall, in terms of, you know, Coach Saban, and that seems to happen a lot. Like, I think after we lost to Tennessee last year and LSU last year, there were, there was, um, there was a lot of chatter about, you know, well, Coach Saban should go ahead and retire. I think that um, people have thrown out Dabo Sweeney's name a couple times too. you know, the head coach at Clemson and, you know, him being a possible replacement for Coach Saban. I will say this during the years that Coach Saban has been at Alabama, he's done more than pretty much any other coach. And I think he, he's even surpassed uh, Paul Bear Bryant. And so I don't think that it's necessarily um him, I think that we pretty much always, for the most part, have a good system around him. Um, and so because of that, you know, when we think about when we had um, uh, Jeremy Pruitt as the DC or Kirby Smart, or when we had, you know, Lane Kiffin or Steve Sarkeesian on the offensive side, you know, we've had really good coordinators too. And I think it's to the point where, you know, we're having to kind of, we almost have to in a way clean house a little bit when it came to, you um, you know, moving past Pete Golden and Bill O'Brien, and, and that's fine for what it is. But I think because leadership starts at the top, we need to just keep that into perspective and just remember that, you know, we do have to hold Coach Saban accountable. But I think the coordinators, it's a, it's a different level at this point because we've taken a few losses and that goes against our standards. So I think putting that into perspective in terms of, um, you know, Coach Prime, we've seen what he's done. I mean, when it, when he got to Jackson State as far as recruiting, how he was able to, you know, um, have uh, Travis Hunter follow him to Colorado. And I think we even lost a couple guys to um, the transfer portal who ended up at Colorado. I think Des Moines Kennedy and Jacques Robinson. And so he does have some level of influence when it comes to recruiting and you do need that. Um, he did say that he's not necessarily interested in coaching on a professional level. And so I do think that he's going to stay at Colorado for a couple more years. And then I do think that he's going to maybe uh, move on to a different, um, a different conference. And that's why I I think SEC is still on the on the platter for him um, in that regard, and so uh, we do have our guest. Let's see if he's ready to join. Um, Let's see, we'll give them a couple more minutes. But I do think it's worth noting that I think there's been over 70 players, um, you know, at Colorado who's transferred out since Coach Prime has gotten to Colorado. So I think that, and that could be due to a number of factors. I mean, I think one thing um, to note is that Colorado didn't have a winning record at all last year. I think they only won like one or two games. And so 
when things like that happen, I do think that sometimes maybe the the players they kind of they could play down a little bit, or they may kind of um, get a little complacent, and maybe they just want to kind of stay on scholarship and things like that. And then you have someone like Coach Prime come in, and he set the expectation, and he tell them, hey, this is what it is, and this is what it's going to be. Not everyone is going to be up to that challenge, and so I don't necessarily think it's a completely negative thing that that many players have left, but I do think that it does uh, speak to the fact that you know sometimes you really do have to clean house. Um, I see a comment from Willie Beeman. Uh, Deion Sanders has a reputation for rebuilding programs, not coming into ready-made situations. He should build his own legacy. Just my thoughts. Yeah, I agree, and I feel like that's kind of what he's going to do at um, Hi, Erica. Uh, that's kind of what he's going to do um, at Colorado. I mean, because when you really think about it, he really is starting from scratch. I mean, if he came into Alabama, you know, I think especially considering our um, our 2024 and 2025 recruiting classes, like if y'all were impressed with the 2023 class, just wait until you see the 2024 and 2025. Um, I see a comment from the champion. I don't like fans being over overly critical of Jalen Milrow, the O-line not getting enough blame, not getting enough blame for the Texas game. You've had Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner be quarterback for that game. Alabama still lose. Yeah, and see, that's that's the I think that's the tricky part there. Um, I don't think that it was all on Jalen Miro. I don't even think that would that that wouldn't logically make sense to put the blame all on him. That doesn't you don't fail just by one player. That doesn't even logically make sense. So I think people who are trying to shift all the blame onto him, you know, maybe that's easier for them to do, or maybe because they don't fully understand the game and what they're looking at when they're watching the game. So I don't even think it's fair to fully blame Jalen Milrow. I do think that, you know, um, always think about something that uh, one of my favorite speakers, Tony Robbins says, you know, if what you're doing isn't working, try something else. And I do think that at halftime, we should have made adjustments for whatever reason we didn't. And for whatever reason, they did they chose not to pull Milrow and maybe they didn't feel like Tyler Buckner or, you know, Ty Simpson were ready. Um, we have to, you know, assume that because they, they didn't make those changes. And so um, let's see, we have Chris Simmons. I think you can get the boys' minds right. They need to quit being on social media and worry about working hard on the field. Look, and Chris, don't have me going down that rabbit hole because I say that all the time. Like, honestly, the last thing they should be worried about is posting on social media because, for one, there's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of negativity. I think, and honestly, people can be so mean. Like, some of the things that people say online, it's just, you know, you, you have to have a heart at some point. Because at the end of the day, how many of us are actually getting out on that field and practicing with them in the heat? How many of us are actually getting out there and risking our, essentially our lives, because some of them really could get seriously injured like we see sometimes. You know, so I think that was a really good point. Um, you know, and so it looks like we do have our guest here. Uh, let's go ahead and add him in. Um, Hey, 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 Donnie, how you doing? Doing well, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's so good to have you here. So we do have Donnie Lee Jr. Um, I know a lot of you recognize him. Um, I did want to kind of highlight certain things about you because I think that what you're doing in the community is definitely worth mentioning. So just to give everyone kind of a quick overview of who you are, um, Donnie was a wide receiver. Um, he was on our 2016 uh, class. So 
he actually started uh, track and field at Florida, and then he came to Bama, and he unfortunately tore his ACL. Uh, but you've been doing a lot in the community, and one of the things that I wanted to mention is the sports, uh, the training facility that you have, the Lab USA, and I think that is so awesome what you're doing. I mean, this is, I think it's the largest facility in West Alabama, and you've helped over 80 athletes, um, you know, get scholarships to D1 schools, and you're offering, like, training and tutoring and AC prep. I mean, it sounds like the all the all around all encompassing thing that athletes need. And I think it's wonderful what you're doing. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. God's definitely been at work. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Can you um, so can you tell the audience, I guess, um, just a couple things and I, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. But the, one of the things that I wanted to know from your perspective, like you're a wide receiver, you kind of watched how we performed last year and then you see what we're doing so far. What's your take right now on um, our receivers, both the wide receivers, but also the tight ends? For sure, for sure. Uh, and I've actually been really impressed with the wide receiver play. Uh, I think at that position, it's very important to kind of look at what they do even when they don't get targets because uh, a lot of times you'll see guys get open even when they don't get the ball, but they're winning the route. Uh, and so I think that, you know, our receiver play has been has been really, really good. Uh, obviously, you know, we want to get some consistency at the quarterback position so we can uh, start building that camaraderie and that, uh, that chemistry. But uh, I'm excited about our receivers and the trajectory for this year. Uh, I know one of the big things that Jermaine Burton and Malik Benson both told me uh, about last year is that they were shocked that, None of the receivers went over a thousand yards. And so that's a big goal for, for all of them is to try to be more productive this year. Right, right, right. And I agree with you on that. How do you feel about, um, I know one thing that I've been hearing a lot is our receivers being able to create that separation that's needed. Do you, do you when you're watching our, our games, especially this season so far, do you see that or do you see that maybe it's something else that, that may be causing that? Uh, I mean, I think as a receiver, your, your ultimate goal is to always get as much separation as possible. Uh, but I think one thing, one unique thing that NIL does and the transfer portal does uh, is that it kind of democratizes college football. And so uh, in the past, you know, Alabama could line up any given Saturday. And, yeah, you're going to get guys like Smitty are going to get two to three yards of separation, right? Guys like Waddle, things of that nature. Uh, but with NIL and the transfer portal, uh, every team is competitive. We see that whether it's Texas, whether it's Colorado. Uh, there's a lot of new teams on the map that uh, might have had success in the past that are finding that, su that success again. And so uh, our athletes, are they're getting separation. It might not be what we're used to in terms of, you know, them just mm -hmm. running free, like when we had Tua back there. But uh, it's, week, it's, it's week two. It's still early in the season. So I'm excited to see what they do. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and that's why I think it's a little too early to make judgment so far. I, I, I am happy with what I'm seeing with Jermaine. I think that he's stepped up and he's consistently stepped up, you know, in comparison to last year. I think last year was a lot of, personally, I think it was more so the play calling. Um, and I think that a lot of times, you know, when you don't necessarily have the right system around the players, it can affect how they show up on the field. And so I think with what we're seeing with Jermaine Burton, I do feel like he try, there's a different level of trust that he has with the coaching, but also with his team. And so you mentioned, um, you know, the, the whole thousand yard receiver, because we have in my opinion, we have a, a really good depth in terms of the wide receivers and the tight ends. Do you think that it's actually um, feasible? Will we actually have a thousand yard receiver? What do you think? Uh, that's a that's a tough question. Um, I love the way Jermaine Burton uh, answered that a few weeks ago where he's like, man, you know, he's not necessarily focused on the quantitative number of reaching a thousand, but uh, just producing as much as he can. 
Um, mm. I do think that we're going to end up seeing Tyler Buckner uh, taking over probably probably a lot earlier than, than than later. I think that he'll get a significant amount of snaps this week. Uh, I know he's worked a lot of uh, first team reps this this past week of practice, and so um, I think once we figure out who the quarterback is, a lot of people you know wanted to make it seem as if. The Texas game was end all be all, but I mean, anybody that knows Saban knows that that, that position uh, battle wasn't over yet. And so uh, I think we'll see some more opportunities uh, with Tyler Buckner out there to see if he can throw the ball a little well, a little better. Um, obviously, he and Tommy Reese have a little more chemistry because they have rapport together. Um, not to say that, that we just throw the towel in on Jalen Milrow. I think that he's an amazing mm-hmm. athlete, uh, but they all just have, have work to do as a team. We've got a lot, a lot of room to improve. Yeah, yep, I agree. And I think we knew that coming in. Um, I think they also made it clear as far as the coaching side of things that it would be, and I think Coach Saban said that it would be week to week in terms of just knowing who's going to start and not just that, but the play calling as well, you know, just trying to see the different schemes. Now, do you think that the coordinators being in that box, because I I don't like that personally, I, I don't like that at all, but do you think that that plays into how the players perform on the field? I, I definitely think it does, uh, and, and that's very subjective, right? So you get certain coordinators that like to be on the sideline so they can communicate with the with the players, and you get uh, certain coaches that want to be in the box so they can process the game uh, more cerebrally, right? They can see the entire chessboard. And so uh, to each his own in that regard, um, I know me personally, like I enjoyed seeing our coordinators right there. So, you know, as soon as we're, we, we gather up on the sideline, we can have that conversation. Hey, what did you see here? What did you see mm-hmm. there? Um, uh, and then just having that, that confirmation at times when you're not feeling the best, we're like, man, like I, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. Uh, but they've got offensive assistant coaches, uh, down there on it. They've got uh, the receiving coach that will be down with them as well. And so, um, I think, you know, coach Saban is great when it comes to making adjustments and adapting. And so I think that's what we're going to see him do in the near future. And honestly, and that's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I honestly, I wish that he, I wish that we would have seen some adjustments after halftime against the game. I mean, my thing, I was just saying it before you joined is that if what we're doing is not working, try something else. If what we're doing is working, keep doing it. So even the running game, oh. and I, honestly, I could just go off on a tangent, but I'm sitting there looking like y'all must be crazy. Like you see, y'all got Texas acting a fool on us at home. Like I wanted to run out crib. on that field. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, bro, and I'm like, my look, look, my birthday was Friday, so I was, I'm like, I hope we get a win, like it's gonna be the man, like I I really happy birthday, nonetheless, though. No, thank you, thank you, I appreciate it. Like I really felt some type of way because I know that we're better than that. I know that you know when you come to Alabama, you gotta be good. It doesn't forget the number of stars, you're good. So I don't know if it's just nervousness when they get out there. Um, I think a little bit with what I saw with Jalen Miro was some. Some uh, nervousness, but also almost like a lack of confidence at times. And it could have been maybe the in, the first interception that did that. But I, I'm curious from your perspective. You know, do you feel like having those former players come back and either coach or, or have some type of influence on the team? Do you think that that um, that has a positive influence? Like, do you think that that really helps the new guys? Uh. I think it's very subjective, so it depends on on who you bring back, right? And so, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, Coach Saban recognized that we needed to do some reengineering of the culture, so that's why he brought uh, Haha back. Uh, I've had the opportunity, the privilege to, to talk to Haha a good bit over the last couple of weeks, and that's his biggest thing: is just culture. Um, whether it's a Fortune 500 company or it's a college football program, uh, everything is prefaced off of culture, the culture of that organization, uh, and that's going to let you know whether that organization is going to succeed or fail. Um, and so. 
you know, I don't necessarily look at, at, at Saturday as a loss. I look at it as a learning lesson. So we're learning mm-hmm. how we can how we can move forward. We're going to watch that film. Uh, I wish I wish more Bama fans would take the Saban 24 hour approach to things, whether you win or you lose. You've got 24 hours to cry about or celebrate mm-hmm. it uh, before mm-hmm. we've got to move on. But um, I think having guys like Haha around definitely helps in terms of just instilling the culture. Um, my biggest thing, and, and I, I've said this a lot uh, publicly, talk to the players. Uh, you know, I, I was at the I was at the uh, academic hall yesterday at Bryan and I got to chop it up with a couple of the guys on the team. And man, just reiterated, hey, like we're B-Side 5, we're connected. Uh, from one generation to the next generation, like we, we're going to continue to hold you guys to this standard. It's not us versus you guys. It's not us trying to separate. Oh, when we were here, we were doing this. When we were there, we were doing this. And now y'all are doing that. It's a different day and age. None of us played during NIL, so we can't relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so for me, it's big. Just we need to stay off social media and take our mentorship live and direct to the guys because they need us right now. Like they don't need the B Sci-Fi, the older B Sci-Fi guys just throwing more dirt on their names when everybody from ESPN to Bleacher Report is already doing that. I think this is an amazing time for us to come together uh, as a fraternity and support our younger brothers and get them to lock in. You know, a lot of the stuff that uh, the alumni are saying is is, is spot on the nail. Um, it's hitting it on the nail. I know Ruben came out. He's like, man, like if I was if I had taken this loss, mm-hmm. I'd be at home crying trying to figure it out. Right. I know the the, the freshman has gotten a lot of backlash about getting on social media and getting on his live immediately after the game. Uh, but Unfortunate reality, but a reality nonetheless, college football is becoming the new NFL and you will never see an NFL player sad after a game. I know a lot of fans don't like hearing that, but that's the reality of it. Uh, there's really no difference between a collegiate athlete now and a professional athlete. Um, and so they are moving slightly more transactional, a lot more transactional. And so I think that it's just a matter of finding that balance between handling your business on and off the field, because if you don't win ball games, there is no NIL at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you touched on a lot of points, a lot of points that I, you know, was planted. So I'm glad that you mentioned it. Now, social media, that's the thing that and, and I hear a lot of people mention it. I, I get it because these guys are young and it's just it's just what's popping right now. But I, I do feel like they need to. I think I, I think that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so if you're jumping on, you know, and if you're jumping on social media, I'm like that game didn't piss you off because it pissed me off. Like they should be madder than me. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I didn't even want to post that night. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, if I feel like this and I feel like slapping somebody, y'all should be feeling like running through a brick wall. And it seems like that, that, that passion, like it's not, it it feels like it's not there. And it feels like these guys are kind of looking at it more. So like, okay, let me build my individual stats. But it's like, well, you ain't playing like a team. If you're worried about your individual stats, you know what I'm saying? Like, do, do you agree with that? No, one one hundred percent. Like you've got to you've got to do your one of eleven, but it's got to be contributing to the one of eleven. It's not the it's not the one of one. And so uh, I want I one hundred percent agree with you. Where it seems like, again, this is not just at Alabama because I, I, I think a lot of times Bama fans think that we're the only ones getting nil deals, but Texas has nil money as well, and they make a lot more nil than a lot of our guys do, mm-hmm. and they still came and punched us in the mouth. So I think um, utilizing nil as as the explanation for why our guys are playing soft. Um, isn't always accurate. Not to say that the University of Alabama hasn't been uh, negatively impacted by that disproportionately. I think I think the transfer portal and the NIL was created to basically debilitate Alabama football. Like I think after that 2020 national championship run, uh, the powers that be got together and said, bro, we've got to find a way to stop this. And so mm-hmm. NIL, again, is democratized college football, right? And so every athlete is moving a little more transactional and, and slightly more concerned about who they are as individuals. But Let's just be real here. 
everybody around that program is is there for business. Everybody within that program mm-hmm. is trying to figure out how do I feed my family from Coach Saban to to the athletic directors to Coach Sarkeesian at Texas. And so people get upset when the players are now being a little more focused on business. But uh, I, I understand both sides of it, right? Uh, I'll always say that the better you play on the field, the more opportunities you're going to open yourself up to. Um, but I think that's what we've got to get done. We've got to get back to. And our alumni have to come back and mentor these kids like really heart to heart have conversations with them and explain to them hey we can't do this we can't do that and moving it from there yep 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 and it looks like we have some of the fans uh, agreeing with you i mean you said it's spot on if we don't win games there is no nil now you think about you know a place like texas i mean they got that oil money out there so ain't no telling what they're all um, guys out there you know what i'm saying like that's um, a whole different level of money you know, um, but, you know, you move in based off of money. You're not really coming here for the right reasons. So, you know, that that all that is relative. Um, I Come see NFL, NFC boys. Uh, Olan was a dumpster fire starting with the center. Yep. Um, the team is very young. He wonders if the fire in their belly is their NIL portal and social media is destroyed. And, and uh, NFC, you know, that kind of you're just, you're echoing what we're saying here. Um, I agree with that sentiment. I do think that because to me, that's where discipline comes in, right? When we're getting all these penalties, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So you see that un, on. you're undisciplined on the field. Of course, you're going to see that in other areas. You know what I'm saying? But I think that even as leaders on the on the field, certain leaders on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, they can they can go to these guys and say, "Look, man, we need to let's take a little break from social media." You know, we can still because I understand you know certain brands brand deals that they have to some degree they have to post but sometimes it's like if you sit up there and you lose by we lost by more points in that one game than we lost combined last year against lsu and tennessee at home you know what i'm saying like when i was in that stadium i couldn't even remember the last time that we were packed like that i mean the, the way that the fans showed up all the money i mean you see people like a lot of people you know spent time and effort and resources to get there to support the team and you mean to tell me that after we sit up there and and, and get beat by 10 points at home we should have drawn them we should have escorted them out of the game after halftime. We should have made them not want to play this weekend and the rest of the season. Come but on, we let, you know, Quinn throwing balls all around the field. He out there walking around looking fresh and clean like he just came from the cleaners. We didn't we didn't sack him one Come on. time. Come on. Where's that? I mean, where's the pressure at? Where is it at? I guess they left it. At, I don't know. They left it at Bryant Hall or something. <laughs> That's what that's what I that's what I was that's what I was trying to figure out. And I know I seen the I seen the video Reggie Reggie commented on this, but I seen the video of, of Deontay just getting driven to the sideline and, and you know he looks at the ref uh just asking for the call, right? And just like Reggie said, man, that 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 broke my heart. And I know Deontay, I've known Deontay since he was in high school. Uh he's a he's a great football player, but an even better person. Um but I think we've got to learn to flip the switch. Like when I'm in this box, bro, you can't be nice out here. Like one of the one of the reoccurring narratives that Coach Saban explained to us is that these people don't like you, like they want you to lose, like they want to see you down. I remember when we lost to Clemson in the national championship game, and we're jogging off the sideline, and you know, like it, it was a great football game. Deshaun Watson led his team; they did an amazing job, and I'm happy for them. Like, hey, man, like the better team won tonight. Like we didn't win. Let's you know get ready for next year. As we're jogging off the field, and the confetti's falling. All of Clemson's fans were saying roll tears. They were more excited about us losing than Clemson winning. And that is mm-hmm. that's not an anomaly to Clemson. That's a national thing. It's kind of like the Patriots in the league yeah. or the Warriors in the league, right? Where people have a a, a winner's a winner's fatigue. And so um I think, you know, just getting our guys to understand that every single weekend you show up, that team's gonna try to punch you in the mouth. 
Uh, mm-hmm. South Florida's going to do the exact same thing this weekend. They're going to fly, hey, mm-hmm. this dog is hit. It's not who it used to be. That's what their coaches are telling them in the locker room. We can beat these guys too. And so, um, you know, they're going to have to they're going to have to lock in and, and, and really regather that competitive integrity. Yep, 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 yep. I agree with you on that. Um, I do see a comment, Bama Standard Network. It's been suggested that modern athletes are more motivated by NIL and getting to the NFL rather than winning games. How, how do you feel? Do you feel like that's the case? I agree wholeheartedly because 99% of kids that pick up a football do it so they can feed their kids or take care of their mom and dad. And so I don't, I, I understand what people are saying, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Every yeah. single one of us gets up and does something for money on a daily basis because it's a tool that we've got to use to to pay our bills. And so uh, as a football fan, I wholeheartedly get where we're coming from. Uh, but from someone that's seen the business side of this and understands how the owners think at the NFL, right? Everything is about ROI. If they're giving a guy a $90 million contract, it's because they expect to make $190 million off of him, right? Yeah. And so we can't continue to tell the players, oh, just worry about ball, ball, ball. But the owners, the GMs in the NFL, exactly. the marketing departments at, at the colleges, they're all monetizing these games on Saturday. The University of Alabama makes about $1.2 million every home game. You think that the president of the university is boohooing about the fact we lost to Texas? Those tickets still sold. And so yeah. as a as a former player, yes, I'm hurt. Uh, but I also see the business side of it. And so I think we have to uh, show a little more grace in terms of understanding that these are kids that typically a lot of times come from uh, lower socioeconomic statuses. It's the first opportunity they've had to be able to provide for their families um, and win or learn. I, I can't be upset with them for that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, too. And I and I honestly I had a problem with it before the NIL, the fact that they didn't get paid because I'm like, well, looking at their schedules, they don't necessarily have time to work a job, you know, and there are certain rules that are in place, too, in terms of NCAA and what they can and can't do in terms of, you know, working and getting money and things like that. So I didn't necessarily feel like it was right for, you know, the coaches, the institutions, everybody else making money off of the players, but it's the players that's actually out there getting the job done. So I definitely understand them getting compensated for what they're for what they're worth i just don't think that it should be the focus because at the end of the day i i I think that the way not just alabama but the way that teams play like the physicality and just that hunger to want to win but not just win oh well let's just win this game this weekend no we had the national championship in mind that was the goal you know what i'm saying like i mean this it's it's different like for texas their goal is beating alabama for every team that we play their goal is beating alabama that is their championship game you know what i'm saying but we're we're built different and so i just feel like they we i feel like when you think that way you see it on the field and you see it consistently Bill, which is what exactly exactly so, so so with everything in perspective with you know how we played against texas um with some of the you know the press conferences from saban and seeing tyler buckner you know taking first team reps what do you think um how do you see this game against usf um going because people have to know that this new head coach that usf have he was the offensive coordinator last year at tennessee you know what I'm saying? And I think Come he was on. the uh, tight end coach as well. So we saw what they did. I mean, Jalen Hyatt, he ran circles around us, right? Had a field day. You, you see what he I'm saying? So, day. yeah, yeah. So you have we have to think that he's going to, you know, kind of structure certain things because he kind of knows how to beat us to some degree. So what do you mm-hmm. envision happening um, in the game this weekend? My, my hope and my prayer is that, just like you said, the athletes recognize that, all right, if I don't keep the main thing the main thing, nothing else is going to come to fruition. And so I hope that this early this early loss is really going to help just reframe their their perspective, right? Uh, 
I, I hope that it allows them to know that, like, hey, if if I don't execute right here, this is how this is going to go on moving forward, right? Um, I had an opportunity to J.C. Latham and I chop it up uh, the Sunday after the game. Uh, and that's where his thought process is, right? It's like, all right, what's next? What can we do to what can we do to improve, right? Obviously, you know, we spend week one where the entire country talked about how big our offensive line is, and now week two is talking about how terrible our offensive line is, right? Uh, those are the opportunities where you've got to you've got to really have faith in who you are and what your unit is, uh, and have resiliency because you don't have this brand where everybody's afraid of you anymore. Like you're not just going to walk into a facility, walk into a stadium, and people lay down. That's not that's not going to take place. Uh, you know, we, we we had that brand when when we were in school uh, and like Bo has talked about this before. Right. There was tradition that came in uh, uh, even before we started. And so getting them to carry on that tradition of of toughness, effort, commitment, discipline. Um, one of my favorite coach by Coach Saban before we go out to the field, man, lock the gate. Just cut and dry. I'll leave out some of the other words he added with that sentence, but lock the gate. And so in that in that in that format, like we've got four quarters, make them quit. Saban says it all the time, bro. And I want to see that. Like now, I think it's become this hateful competitor is is really just a saying now, right? Or like this mur joyless murder ball is just a saying now. We never said that when we were in college. It's just what it was. They branded it and came up with it, right? Come on, we never yeah. talked about it. And you hit that you hit that on the nail earlier, where you're like. If they focus on the main things, everything else takes care of itself, right? Uh, Coach Promise said this before. If you look good, you feel good. You feel good. You play good. You play good. They pay good, right? You got to yeah. play well first before you get some NIL opportunities. So to answer your question, um, I'm open again to see that competitive integrity reinstilled this weekend. I'm excited to see our, our boys go to go to battle. Uh, always proud to be a member of BSAFA. Um, and I think that this younger BSAFA group is going to make the older BSAFA group proud after this weekend. I think so too. So if you had to give a prediction, score prediction, what would you, what would you say? I don't usually do score predictions, but I'll say Alabama a lot, South Alabama. Uh, that's 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 okay. That's okay. That's not fair. Okay. Okay. No, no, I feel I feel you on that because honestly, after last weekend, I'm just like, you know what? I I don't even want to throw out no numbers. I'm gonna just pray that we we do our best, and you know, we just gotta we gotta. Now we gonna have an angry Bama team, and I think oh, sure. one thing that people have to realize too, after we play USF, we have seven SEC games after that. Come on. I mean, on, I mean, this this on. is it. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna get like, real. It, it, it it's been it's about been real. I I think the game against Texas. Like you said, the fact that it was an earlier loss, that was actually, to me, it's kind of like more of an opportunity. Of course, you don't want to lose, but it's an opportunity because you get to see the holes versus a later loss where it's a little too late to make adjustments. You know what I'm saying? Oh. So I feel like we can, if, if, if we, on every aspect, every level, the coaches, the players, everyone, if we do what we need to do, we got to be making those adjustments this week and we're going to see it against USF. We're going to see it when we play Ole Miss at home and every other game that follows. So, I mean, I'm I'm excited. But like you said, y'all didn't have to talk about Jorlis Murder Ball. That's just what it was. You know, we need to Come stop on. doing all that talking because it's now, now it looks like we're we're contradicting ourselves. We're saying all this oh, stuff, rah, but it ain't, we ain't exactly. We barking, but we ain't biting. I'd rather see the biting. I don't want to hear the barking. Because at this point, it's just noise. So, I, I, you know, I don't know. But who do you think are going to be, um, I guess, from an offensive perspective, who do you think are going to be, I guess, the standout players of the game this weekend? I think from a from an offensive side, I think I think Malik Benson will finally come mm -hmm. out this weekend. Uh, um, I mean, I've been really high on, on Malik's ability, specifically his work ethic, since he since he came to Bama uh, from JUCO. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of teams recognize the success that Jermaine has had in the past two games, uh, as well as Isaiah Bond. So I think that we'll see a lot more brackets and attention going their way. 
which hopefully opens up some balls for uh, uh, for Malik. Um, so yeah, I think I think our receiving core will, will, will do really well. Uh, the the thing that I have questions for that I'm excited to see is, is on the defensive side um, because obviously our secondary uh, we we had some we had some issues. Front mm-hmm. seven's got to get some more pressure. Um, I'll be interested to see if uh, you know they rotate some of those younger freshman DBs that we've been hearing about. Your Jake mm-hmm. Popes. Uh, obviously, you know I've got a close relationship with, with T. Mitch, so I'm, I'm I'm hoping and praying to see him on the field. Uh, but I just want to see who's ready to fight, man. Who's ready to compete? That's that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for this weekend. Is not even not even the scoreboard, but how are y'all gonna shake back? Somebody just punch you in the mouth at your mama's house. What you gonna do about it? Yeah. Like I, 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 that's what it, that's what it comes down to. And so uh, I do think to answer your question, I think Malik Benson will, will will have his coming out party, and I think that a lot of the questions that we have about Tyler Buckner will be answered this weekend. I think so too, and I think that that's what we need, you know, going into this SEC in conference uh, stretch of games. Now, um, I, and I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, I know that Terion Arnold, he uh, to me, he was one of the only guys in the game against Texas that played physical, and he was physical the whole night. Now, technically, he did get that. I think it was a pass interference uh, call, mm-hmm. but honestly, it wasn't one that I was mad at. So, how do you, how do you feel um, so far with Terion as far as what he's shown you, and then what he potentially has, you know, coming going forward? Uh, I I think one of the things that uh, it's an unfortunate reality that you're not able to see it while they're on the field. But mm-hmm. Terion Arnold is probably one of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life, on and off the field. Uh, so his cerebral processing skills are unmatched as a DB. Uh, he's been trained by Christian Rochelle, which is uh, one of my good friends, um, who's also worked with Pat Sertain, Levi Wallace. And so you can kind of tell uh, that Terion is of that mold in terms of, yes, he has the physical stature to, to run with anybody, but he's processing the game mentally and cerebrally as well. Uh, I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think with a lot of those PIs and flags that, uh, that Terion got, he was in position. And so mm-hmm. I want to be able to see him do the same exact thing this upcoming week. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. But being able to see him, being able to see him in position, staying in phase, uh, and trusting himself. So last last week he'd be in phase and he kind of panic a little bit at the end and he get a little handsy. You don't need to do that, right? You're already in position. Uh, you know, Terry on's a leader on that team. Uh they look at him in terms of when he's up, they're gonna be up. If he's down, they're gonna be down. Uh similar with a guy like JC Latham, right? But I think uh I think we're gonna see Terry on be a lot less handsy and I don't think you'll see I don't think you'll see any calls on him this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I like what I'm seeing from him so far, and I feel like he's going to be one of the guys that's going to be uh, consistent. Uh, Willie says, I like Tyrion because he's very aggressive. Just limit some of the holding penalties. He'll be all right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he'll be fine. Um, well, before you go, Donnie, um, do you want to kind of give, you know, the fans an overview of the lab and, you know, what it is, what you got to offer, and where do you see it going in the near future? For sure, for sure. So uh, if you guys want to follow us, it's at the Lab USA on social media. My personal is uh, at Donnie Lee Jr. Um, so, yeah, we're essentially just working with youth athletes, uh, trying to get them to the next level. Uh, the next level not always being college ball or NFL, but whatever the next level is for them individually. Uh, everything in our program is prefaced off of Coach Saban's process in terms of the academic tutoring, the ACT prep. Uh, uh, you know, we try to work with our athletes in terms of sports psychology and things of that nature as well. And just recognizing that football is just a microcosm of life. And like you've said a myriad of times tonight, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So mm-hmm. if we can if we can start kind of brainwashing and indoctrinating these kids at a young age to understand the importance of a process, uh, that's what that's what we're working on. Um, from a from a community service perspective, uh, and where people people that are they're looking to help out could help. Uh, so I also have the Ivy Foundation, my 501c3, uh, and so we've partnered 
the city of Tuscaloosa and the Tuscaloosa Police Department uh, to initiate something called the positive ticketing system where uh, school resource officers, whenever they see whenever they see a kid doing something positive at the school, they'll write them a ticket, a citation, and then they're able to uh, to to take that ticket to a restaurant, to a bowling alley, mm -hmm. to the movie theaters and do that from there. And so uh, and I hope to improve community relations with local law enforcement. So like we always talk about, uh, it's bigger than ball. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, 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 I tell this all the time, you know, I was arrested and killed the football team when I was at Alabama. Uh, and that was that was one of the worst, worst moments of my life. And so I'm at a point in my life now where, you know, I've learned from that mistake and I want to continue to teach from that mistake. Uh, uh, and that's how we're doing it. So anybody that wants to support, like I said, at the Lab USA, uh, my personal is Donnie Lee Jr. Hit me up man. roll tide. Real time. Well, I really appreciate that, Donnie. I think what you're doing in the community is is amazing, and you're and like you said, at the end of the day, you have to realize that it's bigger than you. It's it's bigger than Alabama. What what you do, the the, the talent, how you show up on the field, what you're doing, is so much bigger than you. And giving back to the community, you know, that's what it's really all about. I think that what you're doing, I mean, to me, that could be it could it could get big. It could be something where you have it, you know, in different parts of the U.S. It could be a national thing as far as the Ivy Foundation, the lab. So I, I wish you the best um, with that. I'm sure it's just gonna get better and better, honestly. Likewise, yeah. likewise. I appreciate the support. Yeah, yeah, I see Willie. He said, thank you, Donnie Lee Jr. Really appreciate you working with the star players of now and tomorrow. So you have a lot of supporters, man. I mean, people really rocking with you. Now, someone asked, do you work with appreciate baseball it. players? Uh, so I do not specifically work with the baseball guys, but we've got a couple of Alabama baseball players that work with them. So uh, feel free to reach out and I'll get you connected with those trainers and then we'll take it from there. And where exactly is the lab located for those who may want to know? Uh, it's 1924 13th Street East, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. If you guys right. DM me, I'll send I'll send that over for sure. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And people can reach out to you directly on social media to figure out how to get their kids involved and all that good stuff. Yes, ma'am. I'm I'm touchable. That's one of the things I took pr I pride in when I was in college. I was like, I'm not one of those guys where if you DM them, they'll never respond. Like I try to interact with with the people that support me and pay it for it. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. I love the the character is everything. Character will take you where money can never take you. So Amen. I love to see it, man. Well, thank you so much. It's been a blessing to have you here. I love what you're doing. Um, I'm definitely going to have to have you back on soon. Let's so, do it. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it. Let's get it. Well, you have a good night and we'll we'll catch up again soon. Yes, ma'am. Roll Tide. Thank you for having Roll me. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. All right. Well, y'all heard it from Donnie. I mean, he 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 said it all. He, he leave no money on the on the table. So I mean, he and, and that's the thing that I, I try to talk a lot about and I try to hone in on a lot is is character. And I think that um, you know, for for instance, what Donnie is doing, you know, it's like you're letting your work and your character speak for you. And I think that you know, forgetting nil because money can't buy character, but character can make you any amount of money. So I think that when you keep all of that in, in perspective, you move differently. And and that's why I want to see our guys. Nothing is wrong with social media; it's a tool, right? And when you have nil deals, you do have to you know promote it. So I know how that works, but I do think that we need to. We had ten penalties i think it was 10 penalties against texas and i'm literally in the stadium looking around i'm literally doing a 360 around me like i, I know i know y'all lying we literally just had two penalties against mtsu and we come out there at home with 10 we need to shape up we need to get together uh 10 penalties 
for 90 yards. That's what I'm saying. I think it was two of those penalties where Texas got a touchdown. You know, just imagine how much money we left on the table. I mean, you talk about NILs. This is a whole different level of money. So we need to shape up. Um, t- I-, I-, I would charge the guys, the players who are watching right now, just stop with the talking. I, I like it. I like to hear the guys, you know, talk about what they're going to do and this and that. It feels good. But at this point, I think that we need to stop with the talking and we just need to show some action. We need to get out there. We need to dominate USF at home. We, and this this SEC stretch that we have after that, the seven games, I think we have a bye week uh, either before or after, I think before LSU. But the seven SEC, seven SEC games stretch that we have after USF, this weekend is going to be very pivotal. I think that we will see, of course, we're going to see uh, Jalen Miller out there, but I do think we're going to see Tyler Buckner. We may even see Ty Simpson. We just don't know. But I do know that Tyler Buckner did get some first team reps, you know, this weekend. So I do think that we're going to see them kind of rotate in and out. I like what Coach Saban said in his uh, press conference after the game against Texas. He said that our game against Texas was a test for us, for, for, for the players, but also for the coaches. And so I like that he used that word. He said that it, it was the midterm. It wasn't the final. And that's so true. Now, technically, we've only, I think the last time we lost uh, a game early in the season was a few years ago, but we have to, you know, kind of put that into perspective and just think about, okay, well, we already know we have new coordinators. We have a lot of young guys and they're trying different schemes. I think that's one of the reasons why they were in the box, which, you know, I despise the box, but I do think that they want more of a bird's eye view of you know just what they were seeing and what you know maybe what type of changes to make going forward so i think we'll see things kind of play out a little better um this weekend um i do think that you know coach saban um he 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 said something very powerful he said that you know we have two choices we can either throw in the towel and play mediocre or we can actually step up to the plate and fight and grind it out and do what we need to do to be successful. You know, we don't want to waste this opportunity. Instead of looking at it as a loss, we can look at it as an opportunity and think, okay, well, you know what? Like, yeah, I could have, you know, the old, the old lineman, like, yeah, I could have done this. I could have done that. I think a couple times when Seth snapped the ball um, really low, at least from what I saw, it wasn't necessarily because of him per se. It was more so him having to uh, block. I think when they had Dalcourt um, guard I want to say I think it was when he was just trying to kind of like overcompensating when it was coming to blocking or whatever so I think that was one of the reasons why we saw a couple of the lower snaps because even Saban said in the, pre- the press conference you know he hasn't seen that in practice so that really that kind of surprised him um, so I think that we should see that cleaned up a little more and um, you know I think we have some good things to look forward to now I do want before we close I do want to talk a little bit about our game against USF now I mentioned when Donnie was on that the um that the new head coach now he's new you know this year he's just got there this year the new head coach for usf he um he was the offensive coordinator last year for um tennessee but he was also the tight end coach and i think his name is alex uh, golish and so he actually he actually won a couple of war awards last year um for offensive coach of the year and so i think that um you know that that speaks volumes and because of that we should expect him to we should expect USF to come out there, you know, guns blazing. I mean, they're like I said, every team that we play, whether we play them at home or at their turf, 
they're going to they're going to try to win and they're going to play at 100%. So we just need to be uh, expectant of that. I do think that, you know, USF they did lose quite a bit of guys who were who were impact players last year, but they do still have a few that we that I personally think that we need to watch out for. Um their quarterback Byron Brown. Now, he didn't start last year. He did play a little bit last year, but he didn't start last year. He played this year though. And what I noticed is that this this is a quarterback who loves to run. Like he actually I think the last couple of games just in this season alone, he's had, I think, almost uh, 200 yards himself, uh, rushing yards. He has more rushing yards than their running backs. And so I think that we should expect to see him running the ball a lot. And I think that we need, our defense needs to, needs to apply pressure all night, all night on him. We need to sack him a few times. We can't let him use his legs. We need to force him to throw the ball. So that our secondary, which we know is is elite, they need to play up to that so that they can, you know, get the job done for us. Um, so that's that's one thing that I see, you know, them throwing the ball or them running the ball a lot. But they do have a couple um, good running backs. I think uh, Naquan Wright and um, Michael uh, Dukes, I believe, both of them are seniors. So they do have some experience. So I think if um, Byram isn't running the ball, I think he, he may, you know, hand it off to one of those two. Um, I also I also believe that they're um, the two running backs. They're really good with their hands um i think their previous game against spam you they were you know passing the ball he was passing the ball off to the running backs so we need to be looking out for that too because if he doesn't necessarily feel comfortable you know passing the ball to the receivers which if i were him i wouldn't then i do see him making those shorter passes to the running backs i see him running the ball getting some yards and so i think we just need to apply a lot of pressure up front we need to blitz we need to cover we, it, it's a lot that we can do that i know we can do we didn't really see it a lot in the game against texas but I think if we do what needs to be done, we'll, we'll take care of that. Now, um, as far as their passing game, they do have a few wide receivers that I think we need to at least, you know, uh, make sure that we cover. Um, they have a guy, uh, Caffrey Brown, I believe he's the junior. A lot of their, their impact players are, you know, either juniors or seniors. So they do have experience out there on the field. Um, this season alone, he's already gotten a, a little over 100 yards. Uh, he's about, you know, six feet tall. And so I think because of that, we need to make sure that we, you know, line them up accordingly um, with our DBs. And so um, Caffrey Brown, uh, Sean Atkins, you know, he's another guy that we need to watch out for. Um, I see defensive end USF, um, Jason Vaughn is a stud. Our offensive line better buckle up. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. That's why I say, you know, no matter who we're playing, we need to know that every single guy, these guys are on scholarship, you know, and and, and for a reason. And so we need to expect them to bring their A game. If, like I say, if they're playing at 100%, which they will be like Texas did, we all of our players need to be playing at 110%. Um, so their receivers, uh, Coffrey Brown, Sean Atkins, um, I think they have another receiver, uh, Naeem, Simmons. Uh, he's another guy, junior. Um, he had, I think, uh, almost 800, 800 yards last year. Now, the reason why to me that's important is because I think the 2021 season, he only had a little over 200. So you mean to tell me that he triples in numbers just in a year? I think that he's going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of yards uh, this year, especially as Byram gets more experience out there in his passing game. So I definitely think that we need to be covering Naeem. I think um, they're tight end. They have a tight end out there, Jason uh, Littlefoot or Little John. Uh, he's a senior. So a lot of the impact guys, they are, they do have experience. So I think if, if we can lock down, if we can 
cover those receivers and stop their running game. We need to be blitzing them. We need to be sacking their quarterback. I think that we'll be successful. I think that we'll get them to bow out early. And I think that we'll tire out their defense. Um, you know, as the, the comment that we just saw their defense, they have a pretty good defense. I think that their line is pretty good. BJ Gordon, um, they have uh, and Andrew Matafa, uh, Jalen uh, Schuler, Jonathan Ross. So they have a pretty good defense um, for the most part. And then I think their secondary is, is, is pretty good as well. You know, they have some good uh, cornerbacks with experience, uh, mostly uh, sophomores, juniors, and seniors, Daquan Evans, Jalen Stokes, uh, Braxton Clark. It's a few guys and their safeties, Amaris Brown, Logan Berryhill. So they have a few guys that I think um, when it comes to our defense, you know, we can we can lock it down. We can shut them down. We need to tire them out. We need to sack the quarterback. We need to force them to play their, their second string who hasn't gotten much playing time um, this year or last year. And then I think uh, from an offensive perspective, I think that this is going to be the game where we really get to see who's going to get more playing time on the field, whether that's Jalen Miller. I do think he's going to start, but I do think that we're going to see Tyler Buckner out there. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Ty Simpson or Dylan Lonergy. I'm a big fan of Dylan Lonergy. I think he's going to be another Mac Jones. I think that we're going to see him do really well um, whenever his number is called. And so we have a lot of opportunity. I think that um, our, our wide receivers, we're going to be able to see them in action this weekend. Um, I think we're going to do you know a good amount of passing. I don't know why when we played Texas last week, the only running backs that I saw, Jalen Milrow had more rushing yards than Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams. Like that actually pissed me off. And I'm trying to figure out from, from a coaching perspective, it's not enough to call plays. You need to know who needs to be in the game and when. So you mean to tell me that we have a five-star running back, Justice Haynes, he didn't touch that field against Texas. That makes no sense. I don't think uh, Richard Young didn't touch the field last week. And I think Jam Miller, he maybe had one or two carries. So I don't, I, I want to see even from a coaching perspective, things need to be done um it, we have some changes to make and I, I didn't see a lot of creativity as well against texas and so that was something that stood out to me a lack of creativity um a lack of for a uh, pressure a lack of toughness a lack of physicality and i we I, personally i feel like we better not see that again like if i'm gonna if i'm gonna make that trip to tuscaloosa to sit in that stadium and cheer on our guys we need to be playing at, at 110 across the board those coaches they need to be on that field uh it, it's no excuses at that point we need to be playing these guys you know we need to be seeing Malik Benson getting more um, more uh, carries out there. You know, I want to see those tight ends. I want to see CJ Dupree out there a little bit more, not just blocking, but getting his hands on the ball. I want to see uh, Jake Pope. I don't know why he wasn't out there last week. When I looked at um, just the, the list of guys who played last week, I don't think I really saw many freshmen at all. And I said a few weeks ago that in the key to us winning out this, this season is going to be having more of those freshmen out there, more of those transfer guys. We need them on the field. The James Smith, the Yonze Pierre's, the Quay Roussaws, uh, the Tony Mitchells, all these guys. Caleb Downs, of course, he's going to continue to start. But we have too much talent to sit up there and act like we don't know how to coach and how to use them. Because at that point, it's a coaching problem. It's not even it's not even an issue with the players. So I think that we need to the, – the, the coaches – Look, uh, Kevin Steele and Tommy Reese, y'all y'all are on some some thin lines because you know Tommy Reese kind of was out there looking like Bill O'Brien last weekend and we you know we're not having that so we need to get more creative um you know I was at an event Friday the day before the game against Texas where Tommy Reese and uh coach Saban spoke and I, I was pleased with what they said you know they sound confident you know with what we had and it sounded like we were ready to play Texas but I I, I just don't know you know um 
where things kind of fell apart, but I think that it was definitely an opportunity to show us areas that we need to work in. So, um, you know, just to kind of close, I think that we're going to do well against USF. I think our our players are mad um, and rightfully so. I think that we're going to see, you know, uh, the guys step up a little more and, um, you know, I, I think we're going to dominate. Um, so at this point, you know, I think as far as the score prediction, I mean, I do feel like maybe we'll allow them one touchdown. You know, if they get two, it's by accident. Maybe it's by, you know, a mishap on our side. But I see us easily, you know, 42-ish, 45, 49. Um, you know, I, I definitely see us kind of fixing some of those issues that we had. But um, we are definitely coming towards the closing of this show. Um, it was great having Donnie on. Um, I love to hear him speak. I love what he's doing in the community. I think that people can take note, male and female, we can all take note with what he's doing in the community and just how he's giving back. I think that that's one of those, uh, that's a character trait that a lot of us need to uh, inhabit. And so I really appreciate everyone who's been active in the comments. Um, definitely come back and replay the video and feel free to leave comments, you know, um, beneath the video, share the video, like, comment, and subscribe. Um, and if you are looking for me on social media, I'm more active on Instagram. Um, it's at beauty underscore of underscore intelligence. So you'll find me there. And, um, you know, without further ado, we can um, we can definitely plan to meet again next Wednesday. I'm sure we'll have some stuff to talk about, hopefully mostly positive next week after we dominate USF. Uh, but I hope everyone has a blessed night and thank you for joining and we'll, we'll meet again soon. Thank you.